welcome to our humble podcast, Do the Right Thing, your weekly writing prompt podcast. I'm Alexandra. And I'm Jarvis. And we are two uh, month-old babes uh, struggling mm. to fatten ourselves up for the economy. Mama, um, mama. And if we don't develop some extensive skills in writing, we will be sold uh, to make a delicious, delicious carcass. Mm-hmm. So to keep from uh, the masses feeding on our very plump and, and beautiful bones, uh, we are issuing a challenge to help us become better writers. Each week, you sit down and write a complete short story using three of four randomly generated words. Then we come on the podcast, uh, we read a story, we talk about what we learned in reading it, and then we talk about stories sent in by you wonderful listeners. Mm-hmm. We're simply here to help you do the right thing. Doof Media produced it. Media production. That's right. Um, so do, do you know mm-hmm. what song I have stuck in my head? I don't. It's it's that song from the uh, Grinch movie when after the Grinch took all of their shit, uh, all of the people kind of like stand in a circle and then say, and then they sing. Uh-huh. And I feel that that same jubilant feeling uh-huh. uh, is how you should feel when you listen to this podcast. Oh, yeah. This is uh, this Do the Right Thing is coming on in Christ Week. Mm-hmm. Christ Week. Finally, a whole week dedicated our one true god i mean the way you said it made it sound like like it's like ironic that it's it's christ that we're talking about as if like oh how silly it is that christ would be our one true god but that's that's just the (laughs) see this is how this is how you don't perform satire yes that's 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 our first lesson that was an intentional lesson that jarvis just taught us you see Um, we were were too obvious and mm -hmm. satire lies behind three layers of Hmm. I think that's entire. That's the the formula for satire. Mm-hmm. Um, Jarvis, go ahead and tell me the words for this week, and then we'll roll into talking about this week's story. Sure thing. So the words for this week are tribe, subway, outlook, and entertain. Really great words. Really great words. Um. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. And the story that we'll be uh, reading out this week is um, not really necessarily a story story, but a, a piece of writing, mm-hmm. uh, a modest proposal by Jonathan Swift. So quite famous. Uh, yeah, many people might have already read this. It's kind of a quintessential example of satire. The fact that it's satire is kind of a little bit of a spoiler, I guess. It's probably a lot more enjoyable if you go in completely blind, but mm-hmm. it is almost always just read in academic settings. So usually you know what you're you're reading going into it. Definitely. definitely. Um, Jonathan Swift was a really big writer in the uh, 18th century, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, this was written in 1729, so this is before America's independence, oh. when it's still a part of uh, the crown. So mm-hmm. um, for context, um, historical context for this, uh, Ireland was kind of uh, being treated as England's bitch, <laughs> so um, which is probably not a, a really uh, good uh, term for that, but... Um, Basically, Ireland was a, another colony of England and was kind of being treated pretty horribly um, and, and really being exploited. There was a lot of English landlords that would own land in Ireland and everyone in Ireland didn't really own the land that they worked and stuff like that. And they were kind of being bled dry by England. And it was kind of a really, really poor place and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's where he's coming from. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Swift uh, wrote a lot of essays and different things. He wrote other uh, satirical and, and parodies and stuff like this. Like um, there's this one poem that's about, you know, how like beautiful London is and stuff like that. And he mm-hmm. basically wrote that same poem, except changed all of the lines to be about how like actually shitty it is <laughs> and how gross and stuff like it, it so is. So it's a troll, how- basically. 
Yeah, no, yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> and then also, the, didn't he, the didn't he uh, write Gulliver's Travels? Uh, yeah, that sounds about right, which right. is also actually another satirical take on English society and other societies. So yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's written a lot of, uh, of stuff, and he, he, it's pretty fun. So nice. Cool. Um, I've uh, cut down uh, uh, Ahmad's proposal from a thousand, from three thousand five hundred words to two thousand words, um, and and just try to keep most of the stuff. But it's it's worth reading on the no, in its entirety, but. Um, yeah, we'll just, uh, we'll just read the slightly cut down version of nice. this proposal abridged, I cool. guess. And I can't wait to hear. So this is Imada's proposal by Jonathan Swift from, um, written in 1729. Imada's proposal for preventing the children of poor people in the Ireland from being a burden on their parents or country and for making them beneficial to the public. It is a melancholy object to those who walk through this great town or travel in the country when they see the streets, the roads, and cabin doors crowded with beggars of the female sex, followed by three, four, six children, all in rags and importuning every passenger for an alms. These mothers, instead of being able to work for their honest livelihood, are forced to employ all their time in strolling to beg sustenance for their helpless infants who, as they grow up, either turn thieves for want of work, or leave their dear native country to fight for the pretender in Spain, or sell themselves to the Barbados. I think it is agreed by all parties that this prodigious number of children in the arms, or on the backs, or at the heels of their mothers, and frequently of their fathers, is, in the present deplorable state of the kingdom, a very great additional grievance, and, therefore, whoever could find out a fair, cheap, and easy method of making these children sound and useful members of the commonwealth would deserve so well of the public as to have his statue set up for a preserver of the nation." But my intention is very far from being confined to only provide for the children of professed beggars. It is of a much greater extent, and shall take in the whole number of infants at a certain age, who are born of parents in effect as little able to support them as those who demand our charity in the streets. As to my own part, having turned my thoughts for many years upon this important subject, and maturely weighed the several schemes of our projectors, I have always found them grossly mistaken in their computation. It is true a child just dropped from its dam may be supported by her milk for a solar year with little other nourishment, at most not above the value of two shillings, which the mother may certainly get, or the value in scraps, by her lawful occupation of begging. And it is exactly at one year old that I propose we to provide for them in such a manner as, instead of being a charge upon their parents, or the parish, or wanting food and raiment for the rest of their lives, they shall on the contrary, contribute to the feeding and partly to the clothing of many thousands. There is likewise another great advantage in my scheme, that it will prevent those voluntary abortions and that horrid practice of women murdering their bastard children, alas, too frequent among us, sacrificing the poor innocent babes. I doubt more to avoid the expense than the shame, which would move tears and pity in the most savage and inhuman breast. The number of souls in this kingdom being usually reckoned one million and a half, of these I calculate there may be about two hundred thousand couple, whose wives are breeders, from which number I subtract thirty thousand couples, who are able to maintain their own children, although I apprehend there may not be so many under the present distresses of the kingdom. But this being granted, there will remain a hundred and seventy thousand breeders, 
I again subtract 50,000 for those women who miscarry or whose children die by accident or disease within the year. There only remain 120,000 children of poor parents annually born. The question therefore is, how this number shall be reared and provided for? Which, as I have already said, under the present situation of affairs, is utterly impossible by all the methods hitherto proposed. For we can neither employ them and handicraft for agriculture, they neither build houses, I mean in the country, nor cultivate land. They can very seldom pick up a livelihood by stealing till they arrived until at least six years old, except where they are of towardly parts. Though I confess they learn the rudiments much earlier, during which time they can, however, be properly looked upon only as probationers, as I have been informed by a principal gentleman in the country of Cavan, who protested to me that he never knew above one or two instances under the age of six, even in a part of the country so renowned for the quickest proficiency in that art. I am assured by our merchants that a boy or a girl before twelve years old is no saleable commodity, and even when they come to this age, they will not yield above three pounds, or three pounds and half a crown at most, on the exchange, which cannot turn to account either to the parents or kingdom the charge of nutriments and rags having been at least four times that value. I shall now, therefore, humbly propose my own thoughts, which I hope will not be liable to the least objection. I have been assured by a very knowing American of my acquaintance in London that a young, healthy child, well-nursed, is, at a year old, a most delicious, nourishing, and wholesome food, whether stewed, roasted, baked, or boiled, and I will make no doubt that it will equally serve in a fricassee or a ragoust. I do therefore humbly offer it to the public consideration that of the 120,000 children already computed, 20,000 may be reserved for breed, where only one-fourth part to be males, which is more than we allowed to sheep, black cattle, or swine, and my reason is that these children are seldom the fruits of marriage, a circumstance not much regarded by our savages, therefore one male will be sufficient to serve four females. That the remaining 100,000 may, at a year old, be offered in sale to the persons of quality and fortune through the kingdom, always advising the mother to let them suck plentifully in the last month as to render them plump and fat for a good table. A child will make up two dishes at an entertainment for friends, and when the family dines alone, the fore or hindquarter will make a reasonable dish, and seasoned with a little pepper or salt, will be very good boiled on the fourth day, especially in winter. I have reckoned upon a medium that a child just born will weigh 12 pounds, and in a solar year, if tolerably nursed, increaseth to 28 pounds. I grant that this food will be somewhat dear, and therefore very proper for landlords, who, as they have already devoured most of the parents, seem to have the best title to the children. Those who are among the more thrifty, as I may confess the times require, may flay the carcass, the skin of which, artificially dressed, will make admirable gloves for ladies and summer boots for fine gentlemen. For first, as I have already observed, it would greatly lessen the number of papists, with whom we are yearly overrun, being the principal breeders of the nation, as well as our most dangerous enemies, and who stay at home on purpose with a design to deliver the kingdom to the pretender, hoping to take their advantage by the absence of so many good Protestants who have chosen rather to leave their country than stay at home and pay tithes against their conscience to an Episcopal curate. Secondly, 
the poorer tenants will have something valuable of their own, which by law may be made liable to a distress, and help to pay their landlord's rent, their corn and cattle being already seized, and money a thing unknown. Thirdly, whereas the maintenance of a hundred thousand children, from two years old and upwards, cannot be computed at less than ten shillings apiece per annum, the nation's stock will be thereby increased fifty thousand pounds per annum. Besides the profit of a new dish, introduced to the tables of all gentlemen of fortune in the kingdom who have any refinement in taste. And the money will circulate among ourselves, the goods being entirely of our own growth in manufacture. Fourthly, the constant breeders, besides the gain of eight shillings sterling per annum by the sale of their children, will be rid of the charge of maintaining them after the first year. Fifthly, this food will likewise bring great custom to taverns, where the vintners will certainly be so prudent as to procure the best receipts for dressing it to perfection, and consequently have their houses frequented by all the fine gentlemen who justly value themselves upon their knowledge in good eating, and a skillful cook who understands how to oblige his guests will contrive to make it as expensive as they please. Sixthly, this would be a great inducement to marriage, which all wise nations have either encouraged by rewards or enforced by laws and penalties. It would increase the care and tenderness of mothers toward their children when they were sure of a settlement for life to the poor babes, provided in some sort by the public, to their annual profit instead of expense. We should soon see an honest emulation among the married women, which of them could bring the fattest child to the market. Men would become as fond of their wives during the time of their pregnancy as they are now of their mares and foal, their cows and calf, or sows when they are ready to farrow, nor offer to beat or kick them, as is too frequent a practice, for fear of a miscarriage. I can think of no one objection that would possibly be raised against this proposal, unless it should be urged that the number of people will thereby be lessened in the kingdom. This I freely own, and was indeed one principal design in offering it to the world. I desire the reader will observe that I calculate my remedy for this one individual kingdom of Ireland, and for no other that ever was, is, or I think ever can be upon earth. Therefore, let no man talk to me of other expedients, of taxing our absentees at five shillings a pound, of using neither clothes nor household furniture, except what is of our own growth and manufacture, of utterly rejecting the materials and instruments that promote foreign luxury, of curing the expensiveness of pride, vanity, idleness, and gaming in our women, of introducing a vein of parsimony, prudence, and temperance, of learning to love our country, wherein we differ even from Laplanders and the inhabitants of Topinambu, of being a little cautious not to sell our country and consciousness for nothing, of teaching landlords to have at least one degree of mercy toward their tenants, lastly, of putting a spirit of honesty, industry, and skill into our shopkeepers, who, if a resolution could now be taken to buy only our native goods, would immediately unite to cheat and exact upon us in the price, the measure, and the goodness, nor could yet ever be bought to make one fair proposal of just dealing, though often and earnestly invited to it. Therefore, I repeat, let no man talk to me of these and the like expedients till he hath at least some glimpse of hope that there will ever be some hearty and sincere attempt to put them into practice. I profess it in the sincerity of my own heart that I have not the least personal interest in endeavoring to promote this necessary work, 
having no other motive than the public good of my country, by advancing our trade, providing for infants, relieving the poor, and giving some pleasure to the rich. I have no children by which I can propose to gain a single penny, the youngest being nine years old, and my wife past childbearing. Well, all right. What a fantastic piece of absurdist comedy. Um, I don't know. I just really do like this uh, this story by Swift. I mean, it's the perfect mix of a very serious tone and absurd amount of content, um, especially for a piece that seems so very robust. Um, and I think that's definitely where the satire in this really does come from. It's that juxtaposition. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think what is so well done about this is how utterly like genuine this is a place right like it's the one absurd thing of i the the person who's writing this is totally okay with uh selling babies uh and and eating babies uh like putting on this character Uh, but from then on they were actually like a overall good person and genuine (laughs) in their desire of of changing things and they're smart and intelligence they have a a good argument that the genuine exaggeratedness and and obviously you can kind of tell while you're listening to this that this is sort of the tone that jonathan swift has like heard a lot exactly exactly. and you can you can read into like he's if we were in the context of the time i think we would much easier be able to tell like who is he parroting right there's probably like people of the time right that would propose yeah that would propose shit like this that wasn't the eating of babies but was like equally like horrific to like poor people or irish people yeah and i mean really i think that's where the key of this satire really does come from it is that commentary on the time that is being written in and i mean we're not in that time and i've never been to ireland Mm -hmm. but just by reading this you can really tell where all of this is really coming from and it seems that as like as we've we've already said this satire mm-hmm. is effective because it is taking a, a lot of these proposals that people probably heard at at the time taking it to the absurd um, while also you know maintaining that very strong commentary i mean through and through a a lot of his arguments are very valid and i mean hey if if I was living during during this time, I might give it a thought or two. Yeah, what, what I think, yeah, something else that it does yeah. is basically not only criticize like other people making these sort of arguments, but it, it criticizes like yeah, but it's really the well ability of people to make arguments in the first place, right? It's so, like yeah, this is actually like really well argued. Um, Doesn't yeah. mean it's not a horrific and terrible idea. So, so if we're if we're turning up how to yeah. d- to do satire on your own, right? Um, I think uh, that like sort of genuineness. I, th- I think the best satire is like where it's not like super obvious of like, oh, I'm just making fun of and making a straw man out of the people that I'm making fun of. That's like where the like the fucking like attack helicopter jokes just don't work. Like after the first time, where it's like attack helicopter jokes. Yeah, the the transphobic I identify oh. as an attack helicopter. Oh yeah, um, uh, as a as a Apache uh, hel- helicopter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where 
um it's not actually like reflecting a a, a genuine it, it's just a super yeah, yeah. exaggerated thing right it, it, yeah it's not actually a, a genuine really, I position think, I think to take that is right? where the line between um, parody and satire really is it's how grounded it is in what it is making fun of because mm-hmm. like because yeah i mean the yeah. inherent nature of a parody is to take things that are that are present and turn it up to 1000 right but when it comes to a satire mm-hmm. you do something similar but you still keep it grounded you were you were still at the core of it saying something important about whatever you are really talking about and in the case of this story uh swift is is talking about the poor conditions and overpopulations of Ireland at at that time. Yeah, I think that's that's a, I I, I think that's that's pretty close to, um, the like definitional line. I I, I think that that describes that pretty well. Yeah. So I I think one of the differences yeah. here is that he doesn't like. It's not just silly, right? It's like it, it's also more about like yeah. the way that they're talking rather than like specifically like this particular idea of a, of a solution i guess like he's not specifically saying um like pointing at a that, at a very similar thing and making it too obvious what he's what he's comparing yeah i almost feel like swift is using satire how we would use tension really how it starts off very strong and, and then and then there are these these moments of deep sincerity mm. that is apart from the overall satire just to bring us back back into that satire it's you know kind of like the um scene of a person walking towards a a door down a very dark hallway uh they will they'll be walking and then walking and then walking as as you see the hallway getting darker and okay. darker but then they will turn and then look at a painting which thus cuts that tension only to go back towards the the door which thus brings that tension back and i feel that in many ways throughout this okay. this piece swift is using satire in a similar way so what are some of those those cutaways from the the breakaways from the building up of the satire so, in, in this example uh, going from the beginning it it starts in a very believable place it's it's more of just you know hey this is what this this world lo- looks like these are what the people are are like and slowly he he is poking fun of them but then there is a moment where where he dives into i guess the sort of soul of the uh kingdom which is different from 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 poking fun at it and more so setting setting up for the punchline later uh and then we we go right back into this satire when he starts talking about the uh poundage of uh, these uh, babies and then like and then like how how many people each baby could really feed i think one part in particular um that is interesting is where he basically like winks at the camera where he's like being like don't don't Mm -hmm. talk to me about any of these solutions these solutions are uh totally ridiculous and he actually like outlines all the reasons that uh, that people all the all the ways that we should actually be talking about changing society the the hard things that are less interesting and and um not like a, a quick perfect you know fit fix right it's just like hey we should just like improve society generally Oh, rather than having these weird ideas. Um, 
Which I, yeah, I think that's a interesting one where he just like looks directly at the camera and is like, hey, just just do these things, okay? That's what I'm talking about here. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, really, that perfectly leads into what the challenge is for next week, which is satire. And uh, basically, we just want you to try your hand at uh, creating your own form of satire. Maybe, maybe, maybe it could be absurdist or or very grounded with a very comical tone. Uh, just just put your your own spin on your own form of social comedy. Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways you can take this. Um, there is mm-hmm. some of the more obvious ways where it's like you do something like the Onion does, right? Where you just mm-hmm. take uh you know something that like you know people you disagree with uh are are sort of saying and just hugely exaggerating it or taking that sort of perspective i I, yeah i think the best satire is where they take the perspective the like feeling and the sort of um like philosophy Mm -hmm. of a of a group that you you disagree with and then yeah and then you apply to a situation that like logically they probably wouldn't but like it it does flow with that um Mm -hmm sort of perspective right you just alter it like a little bit right um like if uh <laughs> like i don't know like a satire would be um trump proposing building a great <laughs> catapult to yes. throw deportees back over the wall right like that that would be in line of like hey this is a ridiculous construction mm-hmm. that does actually work uh but it would accomplish what they what they want right and then also i mean that is a i mean also that is a good satire because it does fit in with the personality uh that donald trump has presented mm-hmm. with building the the wall and all that so and uh but another uh, way that you could do it i think is just doing it generally about society as mm-hmm. a whole not necessarily just that perspective you disagree with right so maybe like taking uh, corporate culture right and just like making a story that's entirely about buzzwords or you know whatever or entirely about uh, capitalism which this one kind of is too um, that totally, you know, divorces any real expectation of reality uh, of, of, you know, human feeling from it or, um, you know, what, you know, some, some part of society that you maybe disagree with, maybe it's something about social media, um, about, you know, everything being, uh, so mm-hmm. focused on like attention or, uh, our, our short attention spans or, or whatever. Um, I mean, you can also like. It, there's a lot of different ways you can do this. So you can even like make an argument against something that like is not like taking that that other perspective and then making an argument against something that like uh, the opposing side that you you do agree with is like not doing something <laughs> absurd to show. Oh, these are really what okay. <laughs> conservative you know people think of liberals or or vice versa. I wouldn't recommend that, but you can. Uh, <laughs> this is a biased podcast. I will judge you. Not really, but. Well, maybe a little bit. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so I think that's all we we have to say about uh, Jonathan Swift's A Modest Proposal. Um, it, it, go ahead and, and, and go read the, the whole thing if you would like. Um, there's also some other, you know, great, great works of his, like we said, Gulliver's Travels. And um, there's a particular um, poem about London that I, that I was imagining. I should probably uh, look that up. But um, yeah, he's uh, he's got some interesting stuff. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, all right, let's go ahead and roll on into our listener-submitted story section. Thank you so much for everyone who did leave a story. Uh, 
doing that is doing our our hearts good and we love reading your your fantastic works and i really do like how uh all of these stories from this week really did go after the um challenge and you did create some really great pieces of of work that i'm really eager to read yeah i completely agree um the stories this week um <laughs> sorry my cat is now sniffing the microphone um the stories this week were uh so many of them really went out there and tried to be experimental and using um uh f- different different kinds of uh playing with the language of their stories and making it sound different oh, and um I, I i really liked how different all the stories felt this week nice so the stories we are going to be reading for this week are by matt said words nicked you sarah penguin and ur zahu that's right all right let's get started so the first story for this week is by matt said words with the nocturne of miss lua um so uh dick is a uh, man with a daughter um he is driving he has a daughter named uh nell um who was once basically beaten mm-hmm. almost to death by uh his wife jane who is now locked away Anyway, he feels very, very alone, and he's trying to outrun the memories of of Jane. Um, his job is to be a driver for probably, I think, specific people. And right now, he is picking up Miss Lua, um, who is a um, very beautiful, and um, we can we can really tell she's got like a really interesting and and sort of mysterious and put together personality. Um, so he takes her to um, a bar because she wants to listen to some music and she invites him to, to come in with him, um, it call, asking him to call her Maya. And they, they clearly have some sort of, I, I, maybe romantic isn't quite the right word, but some sort of deeper connection than just driver and person that hires a, a driver. Uh, but they, they go in. And uh, she goes and starts um, singing a song uh, by uh, the piano. And she sings about um, how she hopes that it gets easier. She needs someone. She needs to to be with a group, um, hoping that it it gets easier. And Mm -hmm. uh, she just wants to find someone who's going to save her, um, tell her it's going to get easier. um, Because right now she doesn't have anyone to call her keeper. And this is written in um, stanzas and it's done really beautifully. Um, so really, really good job here with, uh, this, this song, but it ends and, uh, she's like in tears, uh, and, and talks to, um, Dick and, and Dick basically, uh, or Maya basically says that, um, that the worst, uh, for her, his daughter is behind her. She's going to have her, her, her heart was broken early in life, but now she's shielded. Um, and, uh, Maya loves her and that she's lucky probably, I think to have Dick, um, or her father. Um, and then, or, or right before that, actually, she uh, goes in and murders the piano uh, player for some reason. Uh, very, very abruptly into to everyone, including Dick's shock. Uh, but we can clearly tell mm-hmm. there's something, something going on here besides just a random murder. Um, but she, uh, she's like uh, arrested and then like, immediately dies uh, presumably from like a, a poison that she self-administered or something so uh dick then starts driving away and says uh to himself that he has two women's faces to outrun 
And uh, this, the, the song sort of echoes, uh, tell me it gets easier. He says, no, that's not right, not for you. And now the lyrics change. Tell her it gets easier and we'll figure it out. For here I stand devout to call myself her keeper. And he's talking about Nell here, yeah, his daughter, who's he's going to be there for her. So yeah, I mean this this story is really well well written. I mean, I love the dialogue that's so telling of these characters and I mean even beyond that, I really do like the addition of this song and it really works well to kind of break up this um story. And I mean each line is is very well well written and I mean it's is uh, I, I mean it is definitely one of those songs that seems like you can really dig in deeper in into it and i think it's very well well placed within this this story i mean when it when it switched from normal prose to this song uh the language was was still very similar which is probably why the uh, prose are uh, vaguely poetic in um some sense but i think overall it it uh it really does work very well and um they and i mean i i really do like following this character of dick and, and we and we really get to to know this character based based off of their their past and also what is happening right now so fantastic job what i think is great about the song uh well one is the the the, the refrain the uh, tell me gets easier um is really yeah I, re- I really like it of just like uh putting out the the theme right there um and it kind of speaks more directly to the audience um uh, my one critique is I think the the uh, piano player being stabbed while I do uh appreciate and know that the, the just the shock of it is part of it I feel like maybe characterizing the <laughs> piano player a little bit to just hint at more of what the motivations are there or why she's deciding to do this uh I think might have I mean maybe it's there and I just didn't see it but I was a little confused <laughs> But I know that's probably part of the the reason. But thank you very much for submitting your story. And up next is Nick to you with Eclectic Festival. Perfect. Um, so this mm-hmm. is a this is an interesting uh, written story. So basically, every sentence is set alone by itself, mm-hmm. um, with only one, maybe two clauses for each one. Um, which is a, it, it, it it tells a story in an interesting sort mm-hmm. of. Um, yeah, and the sort of uh, beat to it. This uh, this character, our main character, is in New York City. They're they're visiting, and they take the subway, and then they're next to this sort of fantastical creature. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. that's this fin- the Elutinifink, uh, which is what this is called, sort of like an elf sort of thing, um, is on its way to the <laughs> festival where it's going to sell some food. Um, also next to him on the subway is someone masturbating, but he tried not to notice or think about it. Um, so there's, there's fun, like weird, weird things like this. Um, there's then like a, a two headed, uh, pigeon. Um, he, uh, gives a, a man, uh, who he thinks is homeless some money, but he, the homeless person doesn't react. Um, then he speaks to someone at the festival, uh, someone from the sewer tribes, a nice girl who had no hair, mottled skin, weird fur and fur on the left side of her face. Mm-hmm. And um, that description is nicely broken up, which I I thought had a nice effect of just increasing the weirdness with with each line. Um, And they have a a conversation sort of about politics, sort of the implication being that um, sewer people are not really trusted. Um, And 
the police and superheroes are giving them side eye, uh, which I thought was a great way to describe of you know how um, to, to quickly show mm-hmm. us the the situation of of prejudice and stuff. And there's some other sites in here, uh, so transhumanists um, and some uh, some awful uh, like racists are here. Um, then uh, he eats some food, including a hand pie. Um, and there's just some wonderful weirdness here. Like, uh, uh, I was going to see those starry temple guys, but they kept making ominous chanting noises. One other tried to get close, but they screamed at him to go away. I'm still not sure what they were doing there, <laughs> which is just great at, like, pointing out the weirdness. Um, there's some other stuff uh, that happens um, until finally there there's sort of, like, a conflict that happens. Um with between the the sewer tribes and the police and and the superheroes um as the person's leaving um this uh <laughs> glowing green pers- person an irishman uh comes in and, and makes everyone get knocked out um the last lines being i found that later that the irishman was a bartender simple but psychic brother who had gotten lost on the way mm-hmm. to find a bathroom um so it, I, I spent a while with the the, the summary here because um, this yeah this is a lot of uh, different things that happen here, all of which are uh, amusingly um, strange and uh, and interesting. So I, I yeah this was a, a fun one to go through. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I really dug this this story um, for one reason because of how it is being told, be because of the form. Of the story, I think uh, Nick, you did a really good job at kind of telling us how we are supposed to read this this piece, giving us plenty of um, pauses and really forcing us to slow down as as we read through through this story, which really does work because it is so filled with so much sensory. There's there's this happening. There is there is that happening. There's this fight. There's blood. Blah blah blah. blah. And I, I think it really works well in tandem with how this story is um, being written. And I mean overall, I I think this this story is definitely ripe with this really nice world building that that really makes me want to know more about what is really going on here like why is this why is this festival happening what else is is going on beyond this um but overall i just really think that um your form of um how you wrote this this story works very well for its content it's a really great job yeah uh what i really like is um so this is obviously a you know a place with a lot of cultures mixing in, and I, I think there's some um, light commentary being done here about how there's even though these things are extremely strange and, and maybe pretty off-putting, sometimes when we see another culture, we might be off-put and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean that like that's really a super fair or or valid reaction to that culture. And I, I think this is, you know, done in a really uh, well done way where it's like, yeah, this girl has fur on half her face and she's like clearly really horrifying and, and, and she's, you know, victim of prejudice, but she's, you know, a smart person and they talk about politics and stuff like that. Um, and um, I, yeah, so I, I thought this was just a really nice way to portray, you know, the concept of, of seeing cultures that are unfamiliar and maybe strange to you, but are worthy and and wholesome and in their own right and stuff like that yeah definitely definitely but a really great job and up next is by sarah penguin with one moment 
Um, I really, really like the story of, of Sarah Penguins. This is one of uh, my favorite of, of Sarah Penguin stories. Um, so uh, this woman, she's just entered a hospital room where um, her father is um, laying uh, under the influence of a, a breathing machine. That's the only thing keeping him alive, and he's not really conscious, right? And she reflects on their past relationship and how um, when she was first growing up, um, he was like a really good father to her. She was really close to him. Um, and especially after her mother passed, um, but they were always really close until um, she came out as we sort of understand as uh, gay at the very least. Uh, he did not take it well at all. And they haven't talked in like 20 years since then. And now she's here with her wife uh, she, that she got married with. Um, it, that's, I just said that twice. <laughs> um, um, and reflect on how he, you know, wondering if he would have gone to the wedding if she had talked to him before then and stuff like that, or if he would have hated that too. And, um, you know, now she has to, you know, make the, the decision of whether to to keep him going on the machine or or to let him die um and it's not really a thing of like you know is he deserving or not it's just it's a very hard decision that she's faced and um we kind of understand that uh, at the very end here she's going to um speak to him um what this this you know last time whether he can hear her or not uh while her partner is there to support her um a new found love that is more warm than his cold hand Mm -hmm. yeah so i have to tell you sarah penguin this is a very strong story Uh, i think it really taps into the emotions that that you feel when you're in this sort of dire situation and i think one of my favorite parts is not only the 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 pros that do have their own rhythm to it but also um I just really like how kind of slow we are to to get to this moment. How how we how much we really deal with this sort of backstory, their their dynamic, their connection. Why um, this main character could re rely on them once, and how they kind of got estranged. And I think it's because this this story seems so so focused. There's nothing extra added. All of the fat has been trimmed. To where now it is a nice concise story that just really lets you go from from line to to line, and you're really able to experience this this story in a really great way that uh, that at the end really tugs at your heart. So yeah, I just think overall this story is very effective, and I would and I would recommend if you want to do some some edits. I think that this can definitely be something very noteworthy. That's right, and uh, it would uh, all of these uh, stories are eligible for the next um, do the right thing contest. So just just keep that in mind whenever that rolls around. I think an, another thing that makes this story so well is that it, it dwells in this one setting and, and moment. And even though we like go back in, in time and understand stuff, we like we start off in this the setting of the hospital room and we just explore the the feelings and, and thoughts from that position. Um, and, and yeah, staying grounded here, I think, uh, is something that really benefits it. Definitely. Definitely. So thank you very much, Sarah Penguin. And our final story for this week is by Ur Zahu with 
the tribe that used to thrive. Um, already coming off or starting on with a starting off, starting on um, uh-huh. with a a little bit of a, a slant rhyme there. A tribe and thrive. Um, so uh, the, the story here is that um, there uh, was a small tribe, um, and uh, they started wandering um, after <laughs> uh, first building. Uh, tools of bone and stone and then they feared being mm-hmm. so alone so basically every line has some good um some rhymes here and there that they then started venturing off um into lands unknown to find more of their own um and uh, then they became many many tribes as they wandered they like would would split off um and then time passed all of them grew the feeling of loneliness was long past due and mm-hmm. um <laughs> it's great it's really easy to 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 just keep rolling with each line because of of how these rhymes work and so they sort of started settling down and farming and then they started advancing and studying science and, and writing and math and and wondering what can we do instead of searching for more um they started conquering and and doing uh, conflict fighting each other uh death spread like a terrible d- disease entire tribes wiped out in the breeze um and then war became this permanent state um even as they advanced uh discovering medicine uh building the subway and entertaining with musicals in broadway mm. finishing here um but beneath this mask of apparent peace violent death was still ordered by kings and queens so as i was writing i started to wonder what was this tribe thriving or just falling under so basically um, even with all this advancement, are we actually, you know, any better than, than where we were before or actually, are we getting worse? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really dig this, this story. I mean, I think the rhyming helps very much so with just keeping the reader engaged and flowing from, from line to a line and your rhyming did create this, this very nice sort of like sing songy flow throughout, throughout this, this piece content wise i i really do like it and i do like how you are telling the whole history of a human while also telling it from this very distant perspective to where it is like we are watching this on a hill and not living it uh Mm -hmm. so i mean overall i just really like this this story it is fairly Mm -hmm. short but it but it really doesn't need to be any longer because it because it gets in it it tells you everything that it has to tell you and then and then it leaves you with this really strong question that really makes you think about it afterwards so fantastic job great great yeah it's something that um especially comes out when you read it out loud like there's some of these rhymes i definitely missed when i was reading it but um reading it out loud I, i i felt the more i might actually win the sense you go back and read it again all out loud and i think this is a good example of how um rhyming a bunch you know it can feel um sometimes it can feel gimmicky as you're doing it um or or like the concept can sound gimmicky but then you read something like this and you actually know this is this is lovely and adds a bit more to the whole you know storybook sort of uh, feel of it uh, my one little uh, mm-hmm. critique is is that a lot of this is set in in the past, and then right at the end, it feels like things accelerate very very quickly to to a future and very present feel, and so it it loses that a little bit of that storybook distant mm-hmm. feeling as it starts bringing in like specifics like subways and Broadways, um, and and musicals on Broadway. Um, I think probably part of that was just you know dealing with you know wanting to find something to rhyme. Yeah, so maybe you know. Uh, 
keeping things like distant and just saying something like you know skyscrapers mm. to signify you know modern things rather than like broadway that's a, the super specific thing i also want to you know congratulate uh, urza who says who says that this is english is their is not their their mother tongue and yet they had so many great rhymes um there was definitely a couple that were like um that didn't quite work but you know i mean i you know i'm my my english is is my native tongue and, and yet i still definitely have some of those so yeah this is really really well done definitely definitely so thank you so much to everyone who did submit your story you did our hearts so good this week so i want to say a good old do the right thing thank you to everyone who did submit a story so, thank you very much to Matt Said Words. Thank you to Nick to you. Thank you, Sarah Penguin. And thank you, Urzahu, who is a first-time submitter. Yes, thank you so much for submitting for your first time. And we also want to say thank you to uh, everyone who uh, left two or more comments. Uh, this week, I saw a, a lot of comments on your own story, which is great. It is great to, to get writer feedback on the work that they did do. But I would try for uh, next week to try and comment on uh, someone else's story. I mean, giving them that feedback is going to make them and also you a better writer overall. So thank you to Matt Said Words, Urzahu, and Nick Jiu for leaving two or more comments. Yeah, and I, I saw that the, the quality of the comments left were really, really good. So, um, yeah, fin- fantastic job. And thank you so much for doing mm-hmm. that, y'all. If you want to be like all of our wonderful writers and submit your story to Do the Right Thing, you can do that by going to slash r slash Do the Right Thing on Reddit and submit your story under the most recent week with three or more words for that week. Um, you can find out the words as soon as they come out by following us on Twitter, which is at RightThingCast. And if you want, you can send us an email uh, and let us know how, you're, how it's going. Uh, you know, how was your day? Uh, what was your favorite word that you used in <laughs> this week? On? Not necessarily even do the right thing. What's, what's just your favorite word this week? What's up? Mm-hmm. You know, um, give, us a, give us a shout out uh, at RightThingCast at gmail.com. Um, there's also uh, plenty of other things going on at here at Doof Media, our wonderful uh, podcast network that we're so proud to be a part of. Um, we we Woo. just finished the uh, Doof the Right Thing contest. All the entries in are, are, are in last week, so we're currently cataloging them all. And uh, this week there will be a, um, a, a a poll for, for patrons to uh, vote on the, the very best stories, which will go on for a bit longer. Um, so if you're a patron, uh, look out for that in, in the, the, the Patreon announcements, um, because there was some really, really fantastic stories sent in this week. Y'all did such a, a fantastic job editing, and I'm very excited to uh, to announce the, the winners and, and give rewards out and uh, to read them on the podcast. Me too. Super, super excited. Oh, uh, oh, so what's going on in Doof Media? There's so much going on in Doof Media, as always. So the uh, the new game club, uh, Ruben Elliott's game club, um, as, as we mentioned, uh, Dark yes. Souls was, was the one that uh, was done a bit ago, um, which we mentioned last time. And the, uh, the, the, so they also announced what game they're doing this month, which is uh, Baba Is You, which I just started playing, and it's delightful. It's a very fun um, puzzle game. And I will give you no spoilers because it's the the initial discovery of what this game is. I think is very enjoyable. Um, so uh, don't watch any any playthroughs um, before playing it if you're considering playing it, um, and and go try it out. Although if you you know don't play don't have the time to play video games yourself, then go ahead and and, and watch someone play it. But it's yeah, it's delightful, mm-hmm. wonderful puzzle game. I re- I really enjoyed it. 
and I'm very excited to hear Elliot and Ruben talking about it because I'm sure they're gonna just rave because um, this seems like very much their kind of some something that's very worthy of of analysis I think um, and of course there's there's so much else um, you, you know all the other podcasts on the network you know maybe go check out the Doofcast which is uh, producing you know wonderful content uh, content every single week uh, that I, I I love tuning in so nice nice. Well, all right, let's go ahead and get in, get into next week's words. Uh, can I have a quick drum roll? Kachu. Kachu. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So, next week's words are clue, dose, lead, and flesh. And y'all will be writing about satire. That's right. Um, also, what's the, uh, what's the story we're reading next week? The story we are going to be reading next week is An Actor's End by... Anton Chekhov. Coolio. Um, all right. So uh, the words, right? Um, first one is clue, as if, uh, as in, I don't have a clue, um, or the clue, mm-hmm. the board game. Clue. Um, so that's a sort of hint uh, of some sort or information that can solve a mystery. Um, a dose is uh, how much of a medicine or, or, or chemical that you are sort of I- injecting uh, or, or taking. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's usually how it's 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 done, but I'm, I'm sure you could twist it about in some other ways. Uh, lead or lead, which we've also done before. <laughs> uh, the, our, our word pool is apparently limited, but it's fine. Uh, it's done in a different combination. So someone can be a leader to lead someone to to the the, the person in charge of things and to to uh, uh, carve the path, or it can be lead as in the metal, or hot lead as in like bullets. Um, and flesh, which is one of my favorite words, uh, which is you know it generally describes any sort of meaty uh, parts of of the body. It can describe organs. <laughs> it can describe muscles. Um, any sort of uh, any sort of uh, wet body stuff. So, what story are you going to write next week? Um, I'm going to be writing a murder mystery. So, um, there. Uh, so, so, so there was a, um, a, a a madam of the house who uh, was found dead in her own home. Um, and, uh, at first, of course, the, the butler is immediately arrested and taken to, um, the, uh, jail and is awaiting, um, questioning, of course, because it's almost always the butler. Um, but they, they searched the, fa- the house and the only clue they found was, um, that her flesh was, uh, just peppered, like all over, like, oh. like just all over her body with lead like little pieces of of the metal lead just all over her like freckles um inside of her flesh and um so it's presumed that she died of lead poisoning uh which is very suspicious uh because the maid okay <laughs> um was made made of lead um that's right. But then it turned out mm, that she had recently done a um, beauty treatment where they paint you with lead to take off, to like clear up your pores. And they, they like stuff the pores full of lead. Um, so it was ruled um, a, a suicide. Mm, 
I see, I see. Well, you know, that is a pretty good murder mystery. And I think I'm, I'm going to yeah. take a few tidbits from that and create my own murder mystery, except mine is set in the wonderful tale of Treasure Island. That's right. We have Captain Jack okay. tottering... Sparrow. Captain Jack Sparrow tottering on <laughs> the forefront of, of his ship, leading him and his crew to an unknown island. Now, you see, most people trust Jack, but the, but the truth is, he doesn't have a clue. He doesn't know where where they're going. In fact, he's on the run from from the law because he decided to uh steal a few dosages or two of um a very valuable medicine. Medicine that is missing on most pirate ships. So, as they further go farther and and farther, people start start catching on. Hmm. Captain Jack made a made a left yesterday after we just made a right. Are we going around in circles? And you see all of this speculation rose and rose until it became conspiracy. All the way until on one fateful night as Jack looked out on a moonlit sea, his most trusted companion, Johnny Boy, stabbed him thrice in the back. His tiny dagger penetrating his his flesh and wooden interior. Damn. Captain Jack died that that day, but at least he outran the law. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you, thank you. It's my own little so, spin, you know. He had a wooden interior. Yes, yes. Uh, because instead of a peg leg, he has a peg spine. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I personally I kind of see Captain Jack as like one of the first cyborgs. But yeah, cyborgs. Had, like, yeah, you know that that sort of cyborg like technology. It's just like Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Exactly, except with you know what like, they should do? They should do Cyberpunk sixteen seventy seven. <gasps> Whoa! And then and then you're like walking as a pirate cyborg in germany and you get to go to bars and 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 drink and whatever else you do but there's no animation yeah there's there's none whatsoever because that wouldn't be the right thing in to fact, do every person is just flying around t posing well i mean that's just like that's just, that's just how i mean you, they want you want to be exactly, historically yeah. accurate right that's just how people walked around in 1677 just like these simulation 100 percent. that's right uh, <laughs> and and honestly i think Following suit to how things are normally laid out within history is, I mean, simply doing the right thing. I already said do the right thing. Oh. I said that a bit ago. 